We are going to finish up this chapter today. Uh, we ended, we stopped last week in verse 28, so we'll start in verse 29. Uh, grab your Bible. This is going to be really, really good. Really, really good. Uh, uh, we're going to, we, we've got a whole full outline. Uh, point one, point two, point three, subpoints, the whole thing. But technically, uh, the first two points is an intro. So we're going to kind of just skim through them. The information's there and I wanted you to have it. But the message, the message is in the last point. And I want to hunker down there and, and deal with that. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Now, uh, a couple weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, we studied and read where Jesus fed uh, uh, the 5,000, and we know it was more than that because that was just the men not counting women and children, so it was a possibility of fifteen to 20,000 people. Uh, remember how many of y'all remember that? With the little lad's lunch, how many of y'all remember that? Well, we're going to hear another story similar to this, and some people think this is the same story, but it's not. It's not the same story. It has nothing, and I'll show you the differences when we get there, all right? So if you have your Bible, you're in Matthew chapter 15, verse 29, say Amen. All right, let's jump right in here. And Jesus departed from thence and came nigh unto the Sea of Galilee and went up into a mountain and sat down there. And great what? Multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet. And he he healed them. Insomuch that the multitudes wondered... When they saw the dumb to speak and the maimed to be whole and the lame to walk and the blind to see and they glorified the God of Israel. Then Jesus called the disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I will not send them away fasting lest they faint in the way. And his disciples say unto him, when should we have so much bread in the wilderness as to fill so great a multitude? In other words, they're saying, we don't have what it takes to do what you're asking us to do. And Jesus said unto them, how many loaves have ye? And they said, seven and a few little fishes. Now there's something we need to learn here. Uh, they're saying, we don't have enough. He says, what do you have? What do you, and we'll get there. Don't, don't get in a hurry, Malcolm. Slow down, slow down. Get back now. Focus, concentrate. Amen. Verse 35. And he commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves and the fishes, and gave thanks, break them, and gave to his disciples, and the disciples to the multitude. And they did, how many eat? All of them ate. And were? That's what I'm talking about. Yeah, all right. All right, this is good. I'm telling you, this is a good lesson. And they took up of the broken meat that was left, seven baskets full. And they did eat with 4,000 men besides women and children. And he sent away the multitude and took ship and came into the coast of Magdala. All right, let's pray. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for your blessings, your mercy, your goodness. Lord, I thank you for the crowd that's here. I thank you for the spirit that's in this place, Lord. And, and Lord, I pray that you will move. I pray that you will speak to us today. 
Speak to us personally. You know every individual that came into this room and you know what they specifically need in their life. And God, I pray that you'll use this story, use your word to apply it to our lives. And and Lord, those that need convicting, convict them. Those that need encouraging, encourage them. Those that need challenging, challenge them. Lord, I pray that your perfect will be done. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. Don't let me forget anything I should. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Control everything about me, my mind, my heart, my words. I pray that your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we all pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Let me, let me have my picture. If you, if you can put my picture up there, uh, on the, on the screen there. Uh, uh, uh. Did, did they get a picture up? Oh, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. All right. Now, here, how many of y'all remember a couple of weeks ago, Jesus fed the 5,000? I mean, we, we, we say the story's called when he fed the 5,000, but we know it was just, they just counted the men. So there was 5,000 men, their wives, their children. And you know, they had a whole litter back then. Say amen. So there's probably 15 to 20,000 people, but we'll use the number 5,000 to distinguish the difference between that story and this story, that situation and this situation, all right? Now, this is the Sea of Galilee, all right? Up here in this area right here, how many of y'all can see the green dots? Amen. All right, right up in this area right here is where he fed the 5,000. This is a primarily Jewish region, Jewish area. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, when we go to Israel, you'll be able to see that. You'll be able to look that eyeball to eyeball. It's one of the, one of the most beautiful places that you'll ever be. The first time I went, that was my favorite place. All right. So we'll, we'll be able to see that, but that's Jewish. Say that with me. That is now when he fed the 5,000, he was primarily feeding the, the Jews. Okay. All right. Now this is the area right down here it is what we're looking at today. It was called the Decapolis or the 10 cities, the league of 10 cities. So it's right down here. Uh, 5,000 here, 4,000 here. Does everybody see the difference? Different places, different number, different groups of people. All right. In the first one, when he fed the 5,000, it was primarily Jewish. All right. When he fed the 4,000, they were the Gentiles. All right. Say that with me. Gentiles. Say it again. Gentiles, do you see what happened after he did the miracles? The Bible says they glorified the God of, which is showing you distinctly that it wasn't the God of their, their normal worship. Okay. It was the God of Israel. Now, are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, this is really important on several, several reasons. Cause if you were here last week, you, you got to read and study the story of Jesus, uh, healing the, the, the Syrophoenician woman, the Gentile woman's, uh, daughter who was filled with the demons, right? But he didn't do it in, in a normal way that you would think a loving Messiah would do. He, he, first he ignores her. Are y'all with me? And, and then he basically calls her a dog. Uh, and, and, and I'm, and I'm not going to get into all that. Go back and listen to it. It's a really cool story. But if you just look at it on the face, it seems like Jesus doesn't care anything about Gentiles. Well, this story here is going to prove opposite. Somebody say amen. So here he comes. He was in Tyre and Sidon, which was way up here. He works his way around. Now he's here in Decapolis and he's up in a, in a mountain and people flock to him. 
Multitudes flock to him and they bring everybody with any kind of problem, any kind of issue, and he heals them all. So here's what I want to do. I want to look at really the three groups of people or the three types of people in this story to describe ministry. Say that with me. Say it again. Say this with me. If I'm a disciple, I'm a minister. If I'm a disciple, I'm a minister. I don't have to preach to be a minister. I don't have to teach to be a minister. A minister is a servant. If I'm a disciple, I'm a minister. Therefore, I'm a servant. I'm a servant. I'm a servant. Look at your neighbor and say, you a servant. Are y'all with me? Now, in this story, we're going to learn a lot about being a minister, a lot about being a disciple, a lot about being a servant. There's three groups of people here, or actually just three different characters in the story. First, you have the, what we would call the lost or the sinner, right? Those who are, those who are seeking. Right? Those who are suffering, uh, 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 that would be, if we want to use this term, the loss or the sinner, the seeker, the servant, or the, excuse me, the suffering. Then we have the Savior. All right? How many of y'all know we need the Savior in ministry? You can't minister without the Savior, and you'll see that here in just a minute. And then we have the servant. That's us. That's us disciples. That's who we are. And that's why I want to kind of skim through the first two to give you kind of the outline of the picture. And then let's hunker down on what we need to do and what we need to know to be what we need to be. Somebody say amen. Amen. I'm glad y'all were a little more spunky this week. Amen. Last week y'all were pitiful. Say amen. Now, here's the thing. Number one, number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Let's look at the suffering first. Let's look at the suffering first. Look in verse number 30. Look at verse number 30. And great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet. And he... Now keep in mind, these are Gentiles. These are Gentiles. Jesus loved them too. Amen? And Jesus healed them too, just like he healed the Jewish people and the Jewish nation. And now, now here's what I want you to see. Two things. Two things. I want you to see their number. I want you to see their number. And then I want you to see their nature, okay? Their number and their nature. And I'm giving you both so we can talk about it and move on. I just, this is just kind of the intro. Look at, look what the verse says. Look what the verse says. And great. Okay, that's eight of you. Here we go. Let's try it again. And great multitudes. That's the number. That's the number. The Bible says great multitudes came unto Jesus. Now, what do I want to take from that? The Bible says, Matthew 9, 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherds. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. You know what that's teaching me? That right there teaches me. We don't have a lack of sinners. We have a lack of servants. Listen, it's not that there's not enough people out there to minister to. It's not enough people doing any ministering. There are multitudes out there. 
There are tons of people out there. There are multitudes and multitudes and multitudes of people that need Jesus. Amen. The harvest is plenteous, but the labors are, the labors are few. Now look at their nature. I mean, it lists several things, lame, blind, dumb. You have, you have issues here. And two specifically, being, being blind and being broken. Lame means you can't walk properly. You can't walk properly. And this is what I want to go with this. This is where I want to go with this. And I got to do it quickly because I want to, I want to get to number three, but I want to change your perception. I want to change your perception of what you see when you see lost people. And all you got to do is turn on the news and you're going to see a ton of lost people. But I want you to change your perception of how you see them. Now, when I watch the news, I get angry most of the time. How about y'all? If you don't, you're, you're not American. All right. And, and I, and I see, I see people doing so many foolish things and I just get, oh, and I just, it just, (laughs) are y'all with me? And, and, and I see this stuff and, and I find myself being more like the disciples and less like Jesus. What do I mean by that? Do y'all remember when the woman came to him? When the woman came to him? And was pestering them. She had a problem. She had a need. Help me, help me, help me. What did the disciples say? Send her. She's a problem. She bothers us. She's a nuisance. But see, there's a difference between how Jesus saw her and how the disciples saw her. Jesus saw a need. The disciples saw a nuisance. Are y'all with me? Now, here's what I want you to see. I know as frustrating as it is and as difficult as it is, because I'm not preaching to you, I'm preaching at us because I'm preaching to myself as much because it's very, very difficult for me to do this when I see the ignorance that I see out there, but I need to see that they're broken and they're blind. The Bible says the God of this world hath blinded their minds. And I sometimes I say, how can they be that foolish? How can they not see? And I'm thinking, oh my goodness. A blind man can't see. They can't see. Why are they acting so foolish? Why do lost people do what lost people do? Because they can't see. The God of this world has blinded their minds. So we got to quit being so critical and being so cynical with it and start seeing them like Jesus sees them. He sees them broken and blind. They can't walk properly because they can't see what the truth is. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So that's the, that's the suffering. That's the sinner. That's the lost crowd in this world that we are here to minister to, that we are here to serve, that Jesus has called us to be a blessing to. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Now, that's the suffering. Now look at the Savior. Look at the Savior. Watch this right here. How many of y'all would agree with me? How many of y'all would agree with me that there's plenty of sinners out there? And they need us. They're broken and they're blind. In other words, they're broken and they can't even see it. Are y'all with me? So now let's look at the Savior. Let's look at the Savior real quickly. The Bible says in great multitudes, what's the next three words? Okay. All together. 
And great multitudes. All right, write this down in your notes. We see his attraction. His attraction, that's what I see here. Have y'all ever noticed that everywhere Jesus went, people flocked to him? He was very attractive. Now, this is not, this is not meaning in looks, because we know he was unattractive. Because the Bible says there was nothing about him that would, that would appeal or attract. He was very common. He was very plain. He made himself of no reputation. Are y'all with me? He was the humblest of humble servants. Yet, people flocked to him. That's amazing. You know, when we think of attractive, we think of beautiful people. We think, we think, of, we think of all the things that, you know, will, will bring people, powerful people. You know, people are attracted to beauty. People are attracted to money. People are attracted to fame and, you know, anywhere, anywhere. I mean, let's think about this. Let's think about this. How many of y'all remember the Yoda boy from Walmart? Y'all, y'all remember him? The one that yodeled in Walmart and it became a, it, it, it just kind of went viral. And, uh, well, my daughter, I'm not going to tell you which one, but they can if you want to ask. But one of them was just enamored with this little Yoda boy. He, he did the Yoda, if y'all know what I'm talking about, is Hank Williams Sr., Yo, you know, y'all come on. Some of y'all need to get out more. <laughs> well, anyway, he did this, and I mean, it just, he just become a phenomenon. And, and, and so she went down to Birmingham to see this, and I figured, well, his bus going to pull up, two or three teenage girls going to be out there. The parking lot was jammed with people. Are y'all with me? I mean, people are attracted to celebrities. They hadn't really done nothing. This kid, didn't, he didn't win the Nobel Prize. He yodeled in Walmart. But that's how crazy our world is, right? That's what's attractive. Well, Jesus wasn't none of that. He, he wasn't none of that. He wasn't attractive in beauty. He wasn't attractive. He wasn't. But what was he? He was kind, compassionate, and a healer. He met needs. And he healed pains. Are y'all with me? Anywhere it was known that he was, people flocked. Now, what, 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 what do I want to get from that? We don't, we don't have to have crazy promotions. We don't have to put up a circus and bring in clowns. We don't have to do ridiculous stuff to promote and market like this world says you have to do. All you got to do is have Jesus in the house. The Bible says in Mark chapter number two, when it was noised abroad that Jesus was in the house, there were so many gathered together, you couldn't even get in the door. I'll tell you what we need. We need to pray Jesus in the house. We need to pray and ask God to fill this house with his presence and with his power and with his anointing. And I'm telling you, hurting people will be looking for it. Say amen. We see his attraction. But then look at this. Look at this. Then we see his actions. His actions. His attractions. Multitudes came unto him. His actions. Look what it says. Look what it says in verse 30. Great multitudes came unto him, having with them those that were lame, blind, dumb, maimed, and many others, and cast them down at Jesus' feet, and he He healed them. He healed them. He met their need. He met their need. That's what it's all about, folks. We're, We're followers of... Who are we supposed to be following, people? Huh? Jesus. We're Christians. Meaning, 
Christ-like. Christ-like. So if we're followers of Jesus and Christ-like, that means we're going to do what Jesus, what Jesus did, right? So we're going to have to learn that we're here to meet others' needs. Meet others' needs. Now watch, 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 watch. I can't heal nobody. Just, just, just be patient. Be patient. We're going to get there. His attraction, his actions. Then I want you to write this down. His aim. His aim. What was he, what was he trying to do? Look what it says in verse 31. Now we're still in the intro. We're still in the intro. Insomuch that the multitudes wondered when they saw the dumb to speak, the maimed to behold, the lame to walk, the blind to see. Let's all read this now. And they, everybody read with me. Help me, help me. Everybody read. And they glorified the God of Israel. What was Jesus' aim? To glorify God. You know what our aim in life should be? To glorify God. Our job as a church is to glorify God. Our job as an individual human, just as a created being, is to bring glory to God. Whether you eat or whether you drink, in other words, in the most basis of humanity, we glorify God. We were created to bring Him glory. We were put on this earth to bring Him glory. We were gifted to bring Him glory. Jesus was healing them because he wanted them to glorify God. Are y'all with me? Look at the verse I put under that. Look at the verse I put under that. Matthew chapter number five, verse 14. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Watch this now. This is me and you. This is me and you. You ready? Let's all read this together. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and they're not to see your good works and say, what a good Christian. Your aim and your desire should not say, look what I did. We're not to take selfies and posts and say, look how good a Christian I am. Because you totally missed it. The whole purpose of doing good works, the whole purpose of serving, the whole purpose of being sacrificial, the whole purpose of ministering is to say, look how great our God is. Are y'all with me say amen? So that's, that's the goal. That's the goal. That's the goal. Say amen. So we see the suffering. How many of y'all believe there's a ton of suffering people out there? There's a ton of sinners out there. There's a ton of needy people out there. That is ministry. Needy people. Needy people. Broken people. Hurting people. That's what ministry is all about, right? Now, let's look at us. This is the message. This is what we got to get, guys. This is what we really, really, really need to get. So, we see the suffering. We see the Savior. Anytime you find the Savior, you're going to find suffering people attracted to him. Are y'all with me? I used to say this. I used to say this. You know, the Bible says the church is a bright light in a dark place. And and the brighter the light, the bigger the bugs. Have y'all ever noticed that a church with a lot of influence attracts a lot of weird people? Not not y'all. (laughs) 
I mean, we have had some strange individuals come through. You know why? Because, because wherever you find Jesus, you find some serious cases attracted to Jesus. Now, we can look at it one way. We can look at them as a nuisance or someone with great need. Are y'all with me? Now, I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to confess. There's been many times that I looked at people the wrong way. And I, 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 in my mind, I might not have said it out loud, but in my mind, I might have acted more like the disciples saying, send them away. But man, we can't do that. Watch this, what happens. All right, Jesus is up there. He's in a completely Gentile area. All right, and I'm sure the disciples wasn't real thrilled about that. Because they were still eat up with their, their, their Jewish uh, uh, racist issues that they had. Peter still struggled with it even after the resurrection. So, so they were probably not even real thrilled that Jesus was doing what he was doing. And that might have been the response that they had. Some people say, some people say that their response of, we don't have enough bread, wasn't, some people say, oh, well, they done forgot what Jesus did. They didn't forget what he did. It was only a few months before that that Jesus had fed the 5,000. They didn't, they didn't forget that soon. I mean, I know we're forgetful, but you, how are you going to forget one little last lunch feeding several thousand people? It's a great possibility. They say, where are we going to get this food? Because they really didn't want to feed them to begin with. Are y'all with me? So we have, we have Jesus. He's healing three days worth. Three days. These people are, can you imagine the sounds? Can you imagine the sounds? I mean, there's thousands and thousands of people. The sounds of the groans and the pains of getting to him and trying to get to him and shuffling, trying to move people out of the way. The fight. Let's keep, let's keep. This is reality, y'all. There's thousands trying to get to him, and then the people that do get to him and get healed, and now they're leaving for woo! People that's never seen before, now they're seeing. People that's never talked before, now they're talking. People that's never walked before, now they're walking. Woo! I don't know why you're showing out this morning. Well, if you've never seen, you've never walked, you've never talked, how would you act? Not all dignified like you are now. Are y'all with me? I mean, there's sounds of joy, sounds of praise. I mean, this is three days of incredible and his disciples are sitting there watching that. Now, it's over with. <clears throat> the, the revival service is done. So Jesus calls his disciples, right? Jesus calls his disciples. Hey, boys, come on over here. Come on over here. He said, look here. Look here. We got a problem. Uh, they don't have no food. They've been here three days. Maybe have been fasting for three days. Haven't ate for three days. I mean, they're so enamored with what Jesus is doing. This is such a powerful move. It's such an incredible thing. They are in awe. Maybe they brought a little food with them and run out of food. Whatever it is, they don't have no food and they're weak. And Jesus said, we need to do something for them. We need to do something for them. Now, here's what I want you to write down. We see the task. Write that word down. The task. What is a task? A job, right? I mean, it's simple. It's simple. It's not real difficult. A task is a job. What is Jesus doing? He's giving them. Now, 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 say, look at your neighbor and say, if you're a disciple, you got a job. 
Let's say it again, because some of y'all kind of, you got, you know. I heard a man say one time about his kids. I guess his kids just never would get it. He said, man, I'm going to dress up like a job for Halloween and scare my kids to death. I believe I could do that with some Christians. Hey, sir. Hey, ma'am. Would you like to volunteer and help us? What? I mean, we got real cream Christians. Just a little dabble, do you? Drag race Christians. Drag in and then race out. You drag in and race out because you're hoping nobody asks you to do something. But do you realize if you are a disciple, you're going to have a task to accomplish. You're going to have a job to do. You've got a responsibility and that responsibility involves hurting people, broken people, needy people, people that are a nuisance, people that irritate you, but God wants us to do something for them. Can you imagine? Can you imagine these just real Jewish disciples and Jesus is making them do something for people they hate? Mm-hmm. Here's the bottom line. If you're a disciple, now if you're not a disciple, this is this doesn't pertain to you. If you're not a disciple, the first thing you need to do is come down here and get saved. Well, preacher, I'm saved, but I'm not really a disciple. Well, then you're not really saved. This, 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 this is not the way this works. You don't get to, you don't get to tell Jesus what, what he can do or not do. You're not in charge of this thing. He said, if any man will come after me, let him deny. I said, any man, if you're going to come after him, if you're going to follow him, if any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Are y'all with me? So you got a task. Whether you like it or not, you got one. Whether you like it or not, you've been gifted. If you're saved, according to Ephesians chapter number four, you've been given a responsibility and a gift to accomplish that responsibility. And all God's people say it. Now, we have a task. We have a job. Now watch this. This is great. This is great. Listen, I'm going to take all the fear out of this. This is exciting. You don't look excited. Watch this. B. Not on, what was A? We have a task. B, I want you to see the teamwork. The teamwork. This is great. You know what? Brother Doug, I'm afraid most of us are more like them the disciples than we want to admit. Because usually the first thing that, the first response that people have when they are asked to volunteer or they're asked to get involved, well, I don't, I don't, I don't, let me just word it this way. I don't have what it takes. I don't have what it takes. You know, what, what if I don't say the right thing? What if I don't do the right thing? And we feel so inadequate. Let me, let me, let me just, let me just help you. Let me just help you. All right. For all those that feel inadequate, let me help you with something. Let me, let me encourage you. You are. And, and for those who do not feel inadequate, you're kidding yourself. 
Because if you're, oh, yes, thank you, Jesus. Oh, I just got a revelation. Brother Doug, you know what? If they're, if they're not inadequate for the job they're doing, they're doing the wrong job. You're doing your thing and not God's thing. Because if you're doing God's thing, you got to have God's help to do a God thing. If you can do it on your own, it's the wrong thing. Right? So every disciple is going to get a job. And that job, watch this. He said, we need to feed them. How are we going to do that? We don't have enough bread, right? He said, where, matter of fact, where in all this wilderness are we going to have enough bread and find enough bread for this? That's usually the first response. To, do y'all remember the widow that came to the prophet? The widow who, who uh, uh, was in debt and she came to the prophet and, and, and said, they're going to take my sons and, and, and I'm in debt and, and what am I going to do? He said, what do you have in the house? You know what her first response was? Her immediate response, Brother Jalen, I seen you lip it. Say it real loud. What'd she say? Nothing, nothing. I have, and then she said, uh, except this little pot of bowl. You know what our first response is when we know that God wants us to do something, God wants us to serve, God wants us to be involved, God gives us a task. Our first initial response, almost every time, almost guaranteed 99.% of the time, we feel like we have nothing to offer. We feel inadequate. We feel like we're not up to the task. Guess what? We're not. I got good news. We're not. But what did Jesus say? What did Jesus say? What do you have? Hey, let's clarify something, everybody. Let's clarify something. Jesus has never once asked us, what do we not have? He's always asked, what do you have? I didn't ask what you don't have. I asked, what do you have? Well, we got these, you know, these seven loaves and a few fishes. Now watch this. This is so good. Jesus is going to do a miracle with you. With what you have. Let me say that again. Jesus is going to do a, let me just put it this way. Jesus is going to do the impossible with you as inadequate as you are with what you have. God doesn't need what you don't have. He needs a willing participant to be surrendered and use what you do have. If the need is 10,000 and you have five, that's enough. Are y'all getting this? It's teamwork. Jesus said, abide in me and I shall abide in you. You shall bear much fruit for without me, ye can do nothing. I got good news, everybody. We're on a team. Now watch how this works. This is amazing. This is amazing. They have, they have seven loaves and a few fishes. They have 4,000 men plus women and children. Uh, so most likely... 16,000 people possibly, right? Y'all with me? Come on, let's be realistic. Y'all with me? So about 16,000 people that Jesus told them to feed. Now watch this. So he said, bring what you got. They bring it to him. He's breaking it. He's breaking it and blessing it. Breaking it and blessing it. Passing it out. He keeps passing it out. They keep passing it out. 
Now, I don't know about y'all, but I think we fed a couple thousand people here before. It took forever. Can you imagine how many hours it took of passing out food to finally get to number 16,000? Now, what was Jesus doing? What was Jesus doing? He was, he was using his creative power. He wasn't just good at dividing, y'all. He was using creative power to create food. Y'all with me? Stay with me. And this is the reason this is important for us to get. Do you realize, if that's what Jesus was doing, do you realize all he had to do is say, everybody close your eyes and hold out your hand. And he could have created 16,000 meals in an instant. He had the creative ability and creative power to meet the need in two seconds. But what did he do? Boys, hey, 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 come here, come here. He gave them a task. Some of y'all still ain't getting it. They had to work. Why? What was he doing? What were, what were they doing? They were in the midst of discipleship training. He was training them to be disciples. Disciples doesn't mean we just get to hang out with Jesus and bask in his glory. Being a disciple means we got a job. We have a task. And usually the task that we receive is impossible until we see that we're on the same team as Jesus. Now, when I use this word teamwork, everybody with me in the balcony? Everybody with me in the balcony? Watch this. We have teamwork between the disciple and Jesus, right? Do y'all see that? There's teamwork between the disciple and Jesus. How many of y'all see that? Say amen. But guess what? Watch this. There's teamwork between the disciple and the disciple. We have teamwork with each other. We are working together to serve Jesus together. Are y'all with me? Say amen. I got here, I got here uh, about seven o'clock this morning, right around there, seven, seven after, something like that. And, uh, and there were already people here, uh, busy as bees, getting this place ready for y'all to come in here. Listen, this is not, what happens on the platform is just a small, small percentage of what happens here. There is a bunch of people using teamwork to make the dream work. Are y'all with me? This stuff just don't happen. These these screens don't just come on. Them words don't just jump up there by themselves. These lights don't just come on. The air doesn't just come on. What's happening? There's a team of people that knows there's a task to accomplish. Because there's going to be hurting and broken people coming to this place that need to hear about Jesus. Now, I want to ask you a question. Are you a team player? Are you on the team? Because if you are a disciple, that means you have a task. And if you're not doing your task, somebody else has to do theirs and yours. Are you a team player? I don't want nobody 
to have to do my job and theirs. I'm going to be a team player. Now here's good news. Here's good news. We, we are not in this alone. If I thought I had to get up on this platform by myself without the touch of God and the help of God and God up here with me, I'd run out of here screaming like a little girl. No offense, ladies. A little baby. How about that? Maybe that's what I need to say in the culture, political atmosphere we're in. Are you with me? It scared me to death. It would scare me to death if I didn't know that God was up here with me. Listen, if you're not getting involved because you think you're inadequate, let me just help you. You are, but that's okay. He's going to take up the slack. He's going to take up the slack. What you don't have, he does have. What you can't provide, he can. Are y'all with me? So look at your neighbor and say, you got a job. Now look at him and say, but you got help. And all God's people say it. Amen. Now let's like write this last one down. This is good right here. Don't you see the truth? I think that's what it is. Yeah, the truth. Look what it says. Look what it says. Okay. Okay. Verse 36. He said, he said in, in, in verse 34, he said, what do you have? They said, well, all we got is seven loaves and a few fishes. Look what it says, verse 36. And he took the seven loaves and the fishes and gave thanks. And have you ever, when's the last time you just thank God for what you do have? Yeah, amen. That's enough preaching right there. We all need to come to altar, right? He gave thanks and he broke them and gave to his disciples and the to the, do y'all see how that worked? That's where we get the point. We're, we're on the same team with Jesus, and we're on the same team with each other, right? Now, watch this, watch this. And they did all eat and were filled. Okay, so everybody's through eating. Everybody got all they wanted to get. Now watch this. And they took up of the broken meat, in other words, these are the leftovers, the meat that was left, say it with me. Okay, now the word basket here, the word basket here is different than the word in, in, in the first story when he fed the 5,000. And this is important, okay? This is important. In the first story, when he fed the 5,000, the Jewish people on the northern side of the Sea of Galilee, it's like a little picnic basket, right? Where you would carry a little lunch, a little lad. It was a little kid's lunch. So you can imagine, I mean, the little kid ain't going to carry a humongous basket, right? So he's got a little picnic basket and all this. But this basket, it's a different name. It's a different type basket. We're talking about a massive basket. This was the same kind of basket that was used to lower the Apostle Paul. You remember when they had to rescue the Apostle Paul, he had to sneak out in the middle of the night. And so they lowered him out the window in a basket. It was a basket big enough to hold a grown man. Now, with that in mind, watch. Verse 37. And they took up of the broken meat that was left. Say it with me. 
Say it again. I don't, I don't sense any enthusiasm. They gave up seven loaves and a few fishes, but they got back. What was said first? We ain't got enough. I, if I was Jesus, he probably didn't do this. Well, I know he didn't do this, but I would have. I'd have said when they brought them huge baskets that's big enough to carry grown men full and set them in front of Jesus. If I was Jesus, I said, how you like me now? <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Guys, I'm trying to be as, as real and, and, and speak in reality because let's face it. Let's face it, all of us, whether we like it or not, or whether we believe it or not, or whether we admit it or not, we want to know what's in it for us. And most of us won't do it because we can't see the end. We think it's going to take up our, our time where we could be doing something else. Well, let me tell you something. If you'll be willing to sacrifice for God, you may give up a little bit, but you're going to get a whole lot back in return. You'll never outgive God. You'll never outgive him in material wealth. You'll never outgive him in time and resources. You'll never give outgive him in effort. You may give a few loaves and a few fishes, but you'll get back seven baskets full. I wish I could tell you I'm, I'm spiritual enough to say, I don't care what's in it for me. I just want to serve Jesus. But I, I, I kind of like a blessing. I kind of enjoy the goodness of God on my life. I really am thrilled with the favor of God on my life. When I give him my life, he gives me so much more in return. So let me, let me take away some excuses y'all have. The first excuse is we don't, have, we don't have what it takes. Myth number one. We, can y'all say with me that we've, we've said that's a, that's a lie? Because it don't matter what you have, he can do the rest. Well, we'll go ahead and say, okay, you're right. You're right, you are inadequate. But that's no problem with Jesus. Because you're using his resources and not yours. Because he's always going to call it. Think about this. Write this down in your memory banks. He's always going to ask you to do what you cannot do. Have you ever wondered why he's that way? Now, God, why'd you ask me to do something you know I can't do? Because then he'll respond to us. Because when you do it, you'll know I did it and you won't try to take credit for it. Because have you noticed that God does everything and he manipulates everything so he gets the glory. He'll share his blessings. He'll share his faith. I guarantee you not one single one of those Gentiles said, my goodness gracious, I want you to look at the way them disciples served that food. Now, I'm telling you, I ain't seen that kind of serving all over this place. Who do you think got the credit for that? God did. There's no way God couldn't get the credit for it. That's why God does it the way he does. Now, think about this, guys. If you're getting bragged on because of your ministry, that's probably not the God thing that he's asking you to do. 
Because if you can do what you're doing and you can get the credit for it, most likely that's not, that's not your thing. It's not that it's not your thing to do for him, but it's not the thing. Because usually when it's the thing, it takes God to get it done. And you can't get the credit for it. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So we see the suffering. How many of y'all would agree there's a ton of needy people out there? How many of y'all would agree when I study in this story that Jesus loves all of them? And that Jesus will attract them if we will give them Jesus. Right? Right? Now, how many of y'all would agree we got a job to do? I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, we've let this, we've let all, all this corona and, and, and all this virus, it's real as can be. It's real as can be. Uh, uh, I talked with a gentleman this week still coughing over. He's, 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 he's out of it now, but he's still got a lingering cough. I mean, a, a cough cough. It, but you know what we've done? We've stepped back from our job. We've stepped back from our job. We've allowed circumstances on the outside to keep us from doing what God has called us to do. Now, we got to get back to work. Because there are still... What, what were they coming for? What, what were those people coming to Jesus for? Were they coming to get saved? No. You know what they were coming for? An answer to their problem. An answer to their problem. You know what people out in this world is looking for? An answer to their problem. And you have it. You have it. The answer to their problem is Jesus. Say, but what if they're looking for, I don't care what their, it don't matter what their problem is, it's the same answer. They, they may have a physical problem. They may have a financial problem. They may have a, a racist problem. They may have all kinds of different problems. But the answer is to Jesus, to all of them. Let's start giving them Jesus. Let's start inviting again. Let's start witnessing again. Let's start sharing our story again. Let's start telling people again. Let's give them Jesus. In, a, in an atmosphere that is so full of fear, I think we need to give them the peace speaker. Amen? Let's stand. Everybody stand. I want you to leave thinking about this question. I want you to leave thinking about this question. If there's one thought I want you to leave with. <clears throat> Say this with me. Am I, everybody real loud, am I a team player? Am I a team player? If you're not, you can be. If you're not, you should be. We got a job, guys. We got a job. Amen?